on October 17, 2007, National Polygamy Advocate Mark Hinkle was interviewed by Krista Foss for Chatelaine, the magazine in Canada. Just speaking. Yes, may I speak to Krista Foss, please? This is Krista Foss. Good afternoon. This is Mark Hagel with TruthBearer.org. How are you today? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Thanks so much for uh, contacting me, Mark. Certainly. Uh, could you uh, identify yourself and the uh, organization you work for? Um, I'm Krista Foss. I'm a, a writer with uh, Chatelaine Magazine, which is um, Canada's leading women's magazine. Okay. And also and one of the... by the uh, publisher, Rogers. Right. Also, I want to let you know that uh, this is being recorded as we do with all... Uh, media interviews, uh, just exactly. for uh, honesty, and just wanted to make sure you understood and had no problem with that. I have no problem with that. Super. How many of transcripts? That would save me a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> How many have helped to you? Okay, well, um, I think you actually talked to McLean's earlier this year, another magazine in Canada. Yes. Same issue. I'm doing a story on polygamy. I'm looking at it from, um, you know, the point of view about really about looking at um, sort of a growing acceptance. And obviously in Canada, the context is um, a little different in the U.S. We have same-sex uh, marriage here, and we have sort of a, I mean, just a sense, I guess, of being an extremely tolerant society. Um, having said that, there's also this issue of um, a growing level of immigration from countries that um, are either Muslim or have polygamy as a cultural or religious sort of context prior to coming here. So I understand that you represent Truthbearer, which is um, Old Testament Christianity-based polygamy? Well, actually, that's not fully correct. Okay, you tell me then. It is full-blown New Covenant Christianity. It is not Old Testament Christianity. That is a... Um, a statement used by Christians who try to make believe Christianity doesn't recognize the Bible. Uh, we, reckon we are full-blown New Covenant Christians, uh, recognizing Old and New Testament, and the fact is the New Testament never created an anti-polygamy doctrine, um, and if anything, Old Testament Christianity is about being under the law, and New Testament is not about being under the law, and we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, just as any other normal Christian follows that same belief, so do we. We are not Old Testament Christians. That is okay. simply meant to be undermining what we're really about. Okay, so New, Co new Covenant Christianity, and you're saying it recognizes both the Old and the New Testament, and there's nothing in the New Testament that is... Um, strictly anti-polygamy anyway, is that what you're saying? The anti-polygamy doctrine never occurred in the Bible. It was invented by the Catholic institution three or four hundred years afterward, after the okay. beginning. So right. the point is that we are evangelical Christians. That's who we are. We're not Old Testament. We're standard, everyday evangelical Christians from Baptists to Pentecostals and all the other forms of evangelical Christians. Okay. And I noticed in the McLean's um, article that you estimated there's about only about 100,000 truly polygamous American uh, families in America. Does that include Canada? Practicing. Uh, we don't actually have full numbers on Canada. You don't have any members at all in Canada? Oh, no, 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 no. We have members. I said numbers. Numbers in numbers, Canada. Numbers, numbers, numbers. I'm sorry. sorry. I just misheard you. <laughs> um, you don't have numbers for Canada, but you do have members from Canada. Uh, we do have, yes. We, we have definitely had uh, uh, and do have members that are members of uh, your country, yes. How, what is your sense of how um, this is growing in terms of, do you have a sense of the practice of polygamy growing? Well, the, what a mis, I should say a misnomer is that everybody wants to believe that polygamy rights is only based on practicing polygamists. Okay. Uh, and the reality is, is that 
for every practicing employee in the families, there's at least a dozen, if not dozens more, uh, consenting adult people that, uh, families that want uh, to have polygamy rights and just may not be practicing. So it's, it's not simply defined only and purely by practicing polygamists. Okay, so the, you're saying that for every practicing polygamy family, there's a dozen more that want the rights. At least, if not, yeah. if not actually a dozen dozen. I mean, there's, the point being is, is that this is about what consenting adults choose to do for the dynamics of their own individual families. So what needs to happen legally in Canada? We have, you know, we have a couple of issues from a legal point of view. We have this section of the criminal code that largely is untested around polygamy that doesn't get used, and so there's this sense of um, because it's, it's it's just become sort of a, a stale, dated uh, piece of legislation um, that it is in fact um, it, un unusable. And then there's this other issue of a constitutional you know, a potential constitutional challenge on the basis of religious freedom to our um, very strong charters of, of rights. But what, from your point of view, needs to happen in the states to, to advance the cause, essentially? Well, the, the idea of cohabitation as a crime would be considered outmoded, according to most people. Would you agree? Yeah. Certainly. Uh, if you, and certainly if uh, individuals, consenting adults, uh, we're not talking about uh, criminals that have been in the media lately, we're underage issues, we're talking about consenting, uncoerced, unobligated adults who decide this for their own personal family dynamic. I want to make that very clear. We're only talking about consenting adults. Yep. That, that want this, the... Freedom to do so is not. You would have to. You would basically have to go after everybody who cohabitates. Right. You know, to to criminalize consenting adults cohabiting together, and just because they execute the free speech of saying this is my wife. Yeah. That suddenly that exit that creates a crime because now you've got it polygamy when all you've got is cohabitation. If a if a legally married husband and wife uncoercively want to cohabit with another woman or say an abandoned single mom and help those children actually have a good thriving family now instead of the abandoned single mom being a hamster on a wheel just to pay for welfare, pay for daycare. Uh, if, they, if all the consenting adults want to do this and it becomes a thriving, thriving event, then you would have to go after and criminalize all cohabitation. Right. And that's not going to happen. Which is why, essentially, then, which is why that if you are practicing polygamist in the U.S., you really don't have much to worry about in terms of the law unless you are, unless you are marrying children or exploiting somebody. It, exactly. Or if you are truly uh, um, breaking the laws, the, just purely just cohabitation is not going to be considered a crime. And, the, and government is not, while there may be big any laws on the books, the, there has not been a single polygamy conviction, or actually not polygamy conviction, bigamy is the actual legal term charge. There has not been a single bigamy charge in the modern era that did not, was not actually based on going after real crimes, such as welfare fraud and underage. 
So as, as long as you're talking about committing no crime, then all you've got is cohabitation, and then you've got equality of law, and you can certainly go after uh, government for not prosecuting anybody throughout the country who doesn't, uh, who's cohabitating without a license. Okay, so, okay, so given that, given that um, I can be a practicing polygamist in the U.S. without, and if I'm, you know, and if I'm not exploiting anybody or, or if I have reached, cons- you know, the age of consent, mm-hmm. then. Uh, I mean, is there any? Is it necessary to to change any of the laws from well, that point of view? Yes, there is, okay. because there's a couple issues. One is is that some of the laws in certain states do have an archaic statement that the mere purporting another as a wife, the mere expression of free speech that that an, that a legally unmarried second wife to, to actually verbalize it in free speech, saying this is also my wife. The act of saying so can be a crime. Okay. And so, and that's one issue. And two, there's not just the issue of criminal law, but civil law. Okay. And and it opens up the opportunity for abuse of civil law. For example, we are in a society of marriage-phobic males, which is why it's ridiculous that uh, we want to criminalize men who want to marry. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, you look all around you, men are afraid of. Do you think we live in a society of mar- marriage phobic males? Absolutely. Okay. It's the biggest joke of our society, isn't it? Any stand up comic about guys who are afraid of marriage, right? Yeah. It's, okay. It's the common joke. We're a society of marriage phobic males, dumb down males who are afraid of marriage, players, baby daddies, guys who don't want marriage. And now we're, well, we come in and we're talking about men who want marriage, who care about women, want to have women be, have choices the best that they want to choose. And so in, in a society of abandoned single moms and marriage-forward baby daddies, we're talking about men who want marriage and want to give opportunities for women that may not have others. If you've got 10 men and 10 women and nine of those men are jerks, one man or one woman oppresses nine of those women, takes choices away from those women, rather than having a man who does want marriage and does want responsibility and does want to care and help women decide and choose what they want to choose. So you take a situation of a, an abandoned single mom, for example. She's got children and she's struggling. She's a hamster in a wheel, either working just to pay for daycare strangers to, to raise her children, or she can't do others and she's left going on to a welfare situation. Right. Then you think her, she joins a family where it's a proven proven husband, uh, the wife is secure in this. We're not talking about, you know, dishonest bigamy or, or where the wife is not uh, approving of this situation. We're talking about consenting adults all around. And you've got a proven quantity, a proven husband, and provides a situation. Certainly it's better if, if she wants that choice and the adults choose this. better for the children and better for, uh, better for her as well to have an opportunity. Then you take a situation like this happens where... Uh, an abandoned single mom joins a family, creates an opportunity where the wives trade off. One stays home and raises the children while one goes to college and gets an education. Then they're finished and they trade off and the other one raises the children while the other one goes to school. Now both get an education and then they're both able to go out and actually get incomes that they never would have been able to have otherwise and they didn't have to pay for the massive daycare throughout that period of time. Then you take, say for example, an abandoned single mom, all of a sudden an ex-husband comes upon the scene discovers the family's thriving, discovers that the children are, are, are succeeding and thriving, and, and you take a woman, say, for example, she was not only abandoned, but she was abused by the ex-husband. Right. He, he takes news of this, now suddenly he has a tool in law 
the, the existence of the bigamy law to use it in civil cases to suddenly slap a blindsided lawsuit against the family for child custody when he may not have never had legal authority to have had custody, and now he can blindside and destroy the family take the, and take those children even though he may not have otherwise never have been qualified just by the existence of using a bigamy law. In, okay, just, I just want to understand this. In civil law, he would have the right to basically launch a custody battle with that thriving family right. if he so cho cho chose to. Exactly. Even if he was disqualified to do so otherwise, suddenly now they're the ones who look like they're the criminals. Suddenly the wife, the, the ex-wife who, who he had abandoned and abused before, suddenly uh, she's the one who looks like she's the bad person. Okay, I understand that. Well, and that's just absolute horrible. That's happened. And, and the, the, that the, has happened. It has happened. Okay. So the abuse of, uh, of the law for civil law is also that issue, so why it has to be removed. Mm -hmm. And what about just the issue of um, for sister wives access to benefits, to property rights, and to succession rights in, in, a, in, a, in a situation like that? Is that an issue? Well, in the current circumstance, yes. They are they're definitely... Uh, problems of uh, the ability to have assignment rights, as it were, you know, medical access rights, things of that nature. You know, so if somebody was, uh, for example, if a, um, it, the way current law is structured, a, uh, a married man and a married wife legally uh, and have a second wife unlegally, so in other words, the law views them as just merely cohabiting. Right. Uh, and something tragic happens and, and say the, uh, the husband is in, uh, in hospital and incapacitated, maybe a coma of some sorts or whatever, only the legal wife has access to him mm -hmm. and to decisions, and certainly the second, even though she may be just as much as involved, she wouldn't have legal rights to that. Um, there are also issues that you're real right, inheritance and so forth. Now certainly contracts can be written and designed um, to try to overcome some of these issues Okay. You know, a power of attorney and stuff of that nature. But the the law still is a hindrance to the ability of the free flow of freedom to, to contract as you will mm -hmm. for those rights. Well, you know, we have an interesting um, a, a sort of a commentator up here. He's a professor of political science, but he takes an evolutionary biology point of view. And he says, even though that... Um, if you looked at, you know, there's, I guess there's an off-sided study that looks at many societies historically, and if you looked at them, about 85% of them were polygamous, and about 15% were monogamous. But he makes the, um, the link between um, monogamy and constitutional democracies. In other words, where polygamy is widely practiced, it is often an authoritarian, um, sort of an authoritarian political environment and a social environment where you suddenly get this division between men in the culture, the men who can afford multiple wives and the men who cannot, who, and therefore do not have access to, um, you know, the sense, the, sort of the reproductive urge. Um, do, uh, where do you sit on that? Well, I think that it goes to, I am a firm believer in, in uh, laissez-faire economics. I consider, would consider myself a conservative. Um, and what we're talking about is marital laissez-faire economics. Okay. And the idea of a division of, you know, uh, all the women get hoarded up to uh, only a few men, and the idea of an egalitarian society, I think is, at the end of the day, poppycock. And I don't mean that as any disrespect to anybody. No. Uh, because what you'll have is equilibrium. At the 
tomorrow, all of a sudden, all across the, the American continent, United States, Canada, Mexico, all across, everywhere, suddenly polygamy is decriminalized. Do you think for a moment that suddenly means all across vast women everywhere in every state, every province, every single woman has suddenly become a polygamous wife? Okay. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. That's just ridiculous. It not, it, not just because you have the freedom to make $500 million does not mean everybody's going to. Yeah. And it certainly doesn't mean every woman out there is going to want to be a polygamous wife either. Yeah. So okay. that, that's just not going to happen, especially in a modern society that we have. So we're talking about freedom of choices and options. It's not going to create that. If anything, it's going to raise a fair economics. It creates an incentive for men to grow up so that those nine jerk men I was talking about, if they think there's going to be that problem, well, they better hurry up and grow up, and then they will be attractive to the women and stop being marriage-phobic player baby daddies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And equilibrium occurs. That's right. That's right. Equilibrium occurs. Has it ever been measured in um, the U.S. public at all in terms of levels of acceptance? Is there any polling data or anything you can point to in terms of a sense of a growing acceptance of the practice? I mean... The HBO series Big Love would suggest some kind of um, normalization, or it might just be a kind of pure curiosity. But what is what is it, what is your sense of what is your take on that? Well, uh, we find, especially now with the new movement of Christian polygamy since the 90s, because you really have to realize that polygamy is not monolithic. You have to apply the appropriate adjectives to understand how a specific kind of polygamy is applied. Uh, there is Mormon polygamy, Christian polygamy, secular polygamy, and each one of those have their own uh, individual reasons or basis by which they are in polygamous relationships. Mm-hmm. That just because uh, you know the Mormon polygamy paradigm has certain beliefs does not mean all other polygamists believe that way. And certainly, for example, the media has tried to portray Warren Jess as a polygamous leader, but of course the ridiculousness of that is in this trial, it was about arranged marriage, underage marriage, and incest, but he was never called an arranged marriage leader, or an incest leader, or an uh, underage marriage leader. He was called a polygamous leader, even though it had no charge of polygamy involved. So that is a misrepresentation of that, but when people are provided the proper adjectives, and provided the realization that you can't judge all polygamy based on anecdotal examples any more than you can say a, a, a rainy day is the same as a sunny day, the adjective defines the difference of the neutral word day. Same thing with polygamy. And there are benevolent forms. We're talking about men who care about women and want to give women choices. They see a society of, of marriage-phobic males and abandoned single moms. That's a tragedy, and that is a reality of our current society. And so how can you criminalize the idea of men who care about women and want to give women the choices? One woman wants to stay home and raise children, and another woman wants to go to work. Now they both have that choice and have the freedom to do so. This is about giving women choices. And certainly smart women are not going to put up for or put up with a man infringing their rights. It's just not going to happen. If anything, they're going to gang up on him. Hello? Again, though, did you, I mean, my question was just about, did you have any sense of, of whether acceptance was growing? Well, yes, yes. The, the re, but the thing is that it's when our message is explained, mm-hmm. and, it, and this is why you know, I've become the National Polygamy Advocate, and I, I'm actually, I get the greatest positive response from women who are intellectual. 
Because when you intellectually hear what I'm saying, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. And that's why there is that understanding. We are, we provide, when, I've got a, a soundbite, you may have heard it, it's called uh, Polygamy Rights is the Next Civil Rights Battle. Yeah. <laughs> and we say that not that we're copying homosexuals and same-sex marriage, but actually we're saying we bring the solution, a win-win solution for both sides of to finally end the marriage debate. Mm-hmm. That we say that government never had authority to be defining marriage in the first place for consenting adults. Right. And, and those therefore conservatives get a win out of the limited government position that government never has authority to be involved in, in uh, defining so important a doctrine as marriage. Would we have a federal baptism amendment? God forbid. Would we have a, a federal gospel licensing amendment? God forbid. Why should we have a federal marriage licensing amendment? That's just as abominable. The government has no authority. The only position or role for government is at the municipal level as a repository of the public records of the contractual arrangements that consent adults make. And that's it. In terms of defining marriage, in terms of being involved in that, government has no authority. So conservatives get a win out of that. At the same time, homosexuals can seal in out of that in that no special rights for anyone. No, no special rights for homosexuals no, and no special rights for those who choose one man, one woman. No special rights for anybody. So everybody has equality. You've got a win-win solution and that's what the polygamy rights uh, battle brings is an end to the marriage debate altogether for both sides in a win-win. So is it foreseeable then that Truthbearer would be aligned with um, those pushing for same-sex marriage rights or equal or the equality before the law for same-sex marriage? And would you also align yourselves with, um, you know, the uh, sort of pro-polygamy forces that are from Mormon and secular branches of practicing polygamy? Well, we certainly would not be aligning with homosexuals. The basic position that we have is, is that... Politically, we're after decriminalization. We are after government getting out of the marriage business altogether. Mm-hmm. Government, see, what we say is anti-polygamy is the real slippery slope that led to the invention of the legal construct called same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. That if government had never redefined marriage in the first place to exclude polygamy, government never would have had authority. Homosexuals would have had no incentive to pursue the legal invention. If the, legal, if the invention of government marriage never occurred, homosexuals wouldn't even be caring to pursue it. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, it doesn't matter. Now, so decriminalization is what we're after. So even though religiously, as an evangelical Christian, I certainly do not believe in the biological impossibility of same-sex marriage because, because of coitus. Because coitus is impossible for two homosexuals together, marriage is biologically impossible for two homosexuals. But, you know what? Homosexuals have a right to an imagination. You have a right to imagine even foolishness. You have a right to imagine that there are seven moons. And if two homosexuals want to play house and imagine they're married, they have the right to do that. They have the right to an imagination. They don't have the right to have government redefine it as marriage. So the point is is that even though I do not support the biological impossibility of same-sex marriage, the fact that we're after decriminalization, it doesn't matter what I religiously believe about homosexuals. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I think so. Government <laughs> has no authority. So if government has no authority to define that, and homosexuals have the right to imagination, government's not defining marriage whether it's uh, one man, one woman, whether it's same-sex marriage, or whether it's pro-polygamy. Government has no authority to define it any way, and so everybody is free. And that's the limited government position of conservatives, and that's why conservatives get a win out of our argument, too. 
I hope I've made that clear for you. I think so. Okay. <laughs> As I type it, it becomes clearer. Okay. Um, Mark, you, I mean, there was a lot of sort of, um, I'm just curious about the process to get this interview. It, it was very sort of, um, it was very cautious, and you and you double checked. Are yes. you yourself in in the in a position of feeling like you are under threat by um, legal authorities just because you're you're an advocate for polygamy? Or? Well, because I am the national polygamy advocate, my name is out there, my face is out there, been on television, all the major magazines, and all that business. Um, I certainly have to be careful. There are uh, people that are irrational in their behavior, and so I have to protect my family. Uh, it's, just, it's just a matter of that. Now, organizationally, uh, we also need to, uh, you talk about the process by which you uh, got this interview, our, uh, we have to make sure, one, that we're dealing with legitimate media, because we could constantly, everybody and their grandmother trying to pretend that there's some media and they're not really. Right. You know, and so it was merely a verification process that this was real media. Okay, fair enough. Um, can I ask you how many how many wives have you got? Because of the the risk to myself, I'm unable to answer uh, any questions about my personal family. Okay, fair enough. Can I ask you? I mean, this is a I know this is a long shot, but um, <laughs> you're welcome to ask whether I answer is another matter, right? Okay. So <laughs> in my article, I am um, I have managed to make contact with two families in Canada. One that is looking for a sister wife. Yep. The other that is in the process, and these are both secular yep. arrangements, and the other that is in the process of just working out a new arrangement. Okay. Um, and that obviously really um, enhances the peace. I, um, I don't know if your organization ever does this, but if I protect the, the, the actual name of the person involved, would you be able to put me in contact with a Canadian family that would fall into the, um, the New Covenant Christianity version of, of, of practicing polygamy? And I'm just asking because that would help the balance of the peace. Because right now I have, you know, anecdotally I have my stories are from um, people from a secular point of view. Okay, well, I, I, I probably need to back up for you. Okay. Um, I wear two hats. Okay. Because I am the founder of truthbearer.org, and that is certainly the Christian polygamy organization. It is because of that that it is... Uh, propelled me into actually being an overall national polygamy advocate in general. Okay. And the reason for that is, is since this new movement of Christian polygamy occurred, um, that we are conservative evangelical Christians. Right. And so we are able to answer the arguments that our fellow conservative evangelicals always bring up against polygamy. Okay. We, so, for example, I can't be dismissed as being Mormon. Because very often you'll get into a debate, and a Mormon will immediately be dismissed because they're Mormon. Right. Okay. Well, that's just Mormonism, so we don't agree. I can't be dismissed as Mormon. I can't be dismissed as liberal. I can't be dismissed as lascivious. I can't be dismissed as uh, chest pounder. I can't be dismissed as Muslim. All of a sudden, I we bring the answers both conservative which is limited government, and biblical, but the Bible never invented the anti-polygamy doctrine. And because we are evangelical Christians from the same churches of the same paradigm, we alone are able to answer the question that nobody else could. And that's why this new movement has grown. And because of that, secular polygamists and Jewish polygamists and others recognize that I'm able to answer questions that nobody else could because of where I'm coming from as the founder of the Christian Polygamy Organization of TruthBear.org. Does that make sense? Okay. That's, I, I've got the credibility that nobody else can have. 
Okay. And that's the reason that I've become that. So even though you may have a couple secular families, certainly secular polygamists recognize uh, that myself as the overall national polygamy advocate, that second hat I was telling you about, yep. that I'm able to represent that anyway. Okay. You follow? It sounds like a long way of saying no. <laughs> Are you saying well, no? it is a way of saying no, but my point is that I'm not limited only to Christian polygamy. It's because I'm coming Christian wedding, I'm able to be that overall national polygamy advocate, which includes, you know, explaining the arguments of secular polygamy and so forth. Right. I think I think from my point of view as a journalist, in terms of um, just having the anecdote in the story that comes from somebody who um, is practicing from, from with a religious grounding, what that says to readers is they are out there, mm-hmm. whereas. They, readers were, I'm, especially in Canada, were more than happy to believe that people experimenting with alternative lifestyles are out there. Mm-hmm. But it's the difference between doing it in a, the religious context or the secular context. That's why I asked. Well, the problem is, is that too often people want to think polygamy is only religion-based. Right. And so that's a problem in itself. And that's actually, you know, it doesn't matter uh, what the religious basis or non-religious basis of the polygamy is. Mm-hmm. except where the presupposition has problems, such as abuse, underage, or whatever. So, for example, uh, Mormon polygamy uh, comes from Doctrine and Covenants 132, mm-hmm. and certainly some of the, uh, the celestial marriage pr- doctrines of the Mormon institution and the, um, uh, the pre-existence of souls, where uh, more, uh, Brigham Young declared it a duty of all Mormons to have as many children through uh, through as many as three wives or more, uh, in order to ensure that uh, the pre-existing souls are born to Mormon families. Uh, that, those are all Mormon doctrines, and create a form of doctrinal obligation that kind of subtly, by doctrine, coerces women to have to take polygamy. Right. All right. But that's, that's just the Mormon presupposition for how they apply polygamy. You'd say, for example, evangelical Christian polygamy would, is just simply about, you know, caring and loving for women as Christ loved the churches and, and uh, wanting to help women have the choices that they would choose to have and, and actually caring about women, not, not, a, not any kind of a, uh, you know, there's no rewards in heaven, no priesthood, special basis, but rather a, a, if, if, if you look at it anyway, just purely ministerial mm-hmm. and then creating options in a society of a, marriage for males and abandoned single moms. So it really doesn't matter. The only time the religious aspect really applies is where it creates and has a presupposition of abuse or coercion. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Um, you know, part of your organization is uh, um, you're running the twowives.com website, are you not? Are you uh, creating the networking for people to, to, um, to find appropriate matches with their family? Twowives.com does use our system, yes. It's a it's a separate uh, entity. I mean, it's a you know it's a it, that is purely a um, a uh, a polygamy personal website. You know, there are um, there are uh, Mormon advertisers, uh, secular advertisers, Christian advertisers, Muslim advertisers. That's a uh, a general um, non-religious polygamy personal site. It uses uh, the Truth Bear system because we have built a brand of. Uh, trust on the internet that uh, to basically support financially support the fight for polygamy rights uh, they are, you know, and to protect people that would uh, there are capitalists out there of course 
and anyone wants to capitalize on it and say, you know, hey, we can provide you such and so and so and so, uh, but it turns out that they're just basically taking money and go the other way. Whereas uh, a business that would use the would, would use the truth for a brand for for say payment processing and so forth, the the buyer of that polygamy related service is then assured that because the truth bearer brand is proven. Mm-hmm. You follow me? I think so. Basically, yeah. that the money is truly uh, not going to say an anti-polygamist trying to find out information about them. Okay. Um, so, can you are you able to tell me anything about the twice.com site? Like how much traffic it gets, how much money it generates from memberships, anything about anything like that? Well, I I know that that actually is is uh, confidential information, but it's definitely uh, um, uh, it's a major source of. Uh, various forms of polygamists seeking uh, women seeking polygamy. Okay. You know, so whether it be Christian, secular, Jewish, Muslim, Mormon, um, it's a, it's, it's, and actually it's the only uh, successful one that uh, actually um, provides, provides real service. I mean, real, real, uh, as it says on its website, uh, real verified proven women seeking polygamy, and families are uh, certainly interested in finding real. You know, you go into you know the freebie groups or you know, what is it, Yahoo systems and things like that. Right. You run into uh, uh, people that, or just any last in general that's polygamy related. You're going to run into basically what ends up is uh, what we call the uh, pro polygamy fakers. They're actually anti pro polygamy. What? I, I missed your. You said pro polygamy fakers. Fakers? Fakers, F-A-K. Fakers, fakers, sorry, okay. Okay, they pretend to be like they're pro-polygamy, and then they're just trying to find out information to use against people. Okay. You know, so they'll pretend to be, and so because of that free nature and all, uh, that's why nothing uh, nothing of a, of a free system is ever safe. You know, so yeah. it's, just, it's a matter of a, uh, creating a discreet and safe system, and then by uh, knowing that it's using the truth bearer system, uh, Buyers of the service know for an absolute fact because you just do a quick search and you see Truthbearer and and you see Truthbearer all over the net, the internet, the news, and the internet. You know, so it, it's 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 a proven brand. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a brand for safety. Does that make yeah. sense? You know, in yeah, a business sense. Um, I mean, it does seem that on those those systems and those message boards that. Um, some uh, sort of a woman who is looking is sort of a highly prized. Um, she's highly prized, and you know, she's almost like the holy grail. Like she'll get lots of lots of response. I mean, is there is there a sense of sort of um, creating? I mean, what is your sense? Is there a sort of a su- sense of um, supply um, sort of being scarce and demand being much bigger? Well, that would definitely be true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, uh, because. Uh, a site like uh, TwoEyes.com uses the Truthbearer brand. Uh, people also know that um, the money itself is going to, um, because it uses the brand, and there's obviously financial uh, accrual to the uh, to the Truthbearer brand. That uh, that the money is also supporting the fight for polygamy rights freedom. Okay. You see what I'm saying? You know, so so people are, are it, it's it's a way to be, of course, you know, financing the fight for freedom because the truthbearer.org is a brand that's proven that it really is and fighting that, for, for freedom. Specifically, what does that money actually fund? Is it funding your efforts, or is it is it's it? Really you know, the, well, everything that the organization, uh, that all the money that goes to the truthbearer.org organization, uh, it certainly goes to funding uh, certainly uh, internet issues, uh, uh, media uh, interactions, travel. Um, the very 
all, all the things that's involved in political activism. Okay. You know, nothing comes cheap. Yeah, so just, just issuing a press release doesn't come cheap. No, I understand. <laughs> you can't give me a sense. I mean, we're always looking for sort of numbers that help us to to see if a trend is growing, if it's actually substantively growing. I mean, is there a sense of, can you tell me? Well, I would certainly say... On two wives or? I would say probably at least a 50% uh, growth rate in just the last six months. Uh, well, the, what do you uh, attribute that to? The grain of the success of uh, the Truth Bear brand getting known, you know, and, and getting out there and actually accomplishing uh, positive representation of what we really are about. Here's an example. Uh, on August 28th of 2006, Warren Jeffs, on the top 10, FBI's top 10 most wanted list, was captured. Big news, right? Yep. That day, within 24 hours, our organization put together and paid for and put out a national press release applauding that arrest, saying we're glad, we want this, we have opposed Warren Jeff from the beginning, and we are glad that he was arrested. That got reported to Associated Press and various others uh, have reported about that, uh, Core TV and so forth. Okay. And certainly, again, uh, just as the trial began, we put out another national press release, uh, uh, September 8th of this year, just as uh, the, the jury was being selected, that, the, that we had always opposed him, and that, uh, you know, we're glad that this thing, is, and, and, and issued three clarifications for the media when reporting about Jeff. You know, one that uh, Jeff has never, uh, the national movement has always opposed one Jeff. Two, that he and the FLDS have never represented the national polygamy movement. And three, none of the charges against involve polygamy anyway. And right. we, so we, we, we pay for it and, and distributed that out to the media. And, uh, and then certainly uh, an op-ed was uh, distributed after the trial that, again, that we were glad he was convicted. Right. You know, and so forth. So making it very clear that the media can know and understand this is the real position of a national movement of polygamy and that what one local little rogue Mormon polygamy sect does is not representative of what the rest of us do. And so, for example, uh, you know, we put out the soundbite to compare all pro-polygamists to Warren Jeffs is as slanderous and as offensive as comparing all teachers to Mary Kay Returno. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's, no, that's, that's fair. Um, I'm curious about whether you are interested in or watching the Canadian situation because... BC, the Bountiful. BC, yeah, Bountiful, because just because they eventually something's going to happen there, and right. what might, might be is some sort of reference to a constitutional question which would... Um, which would be big because, yeah. um, you know, I mean, lots of analysts and lots of ink has been spilled about the fact that if this went to a constitutional reference question, it's hard to say whether, in fact, um, you know, legally enshrined monogamy would, in fact, be struck down by the Superior Court in Canada, especially with the composition of that court right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, how closely are you following Canada, and are you looking to Canada to, to sort of set um, in motion something? Well... The, the problem is, is, again, is that the Bountiful story mm -hmm. is a break-off of the FLDS story. Right. Because they come from the same group. 
the same people. And so you've got the whole underage issues that the yeah. whole FLF have. And you've got the whole, uh, the inconceivable idea that, you know, all the people of a community sacrifice their minds and decision-making to the, to the leadership of their community. Mm -hmm. uh, and I understand nationally, the political rights movement are individual families in the cities and suburbs. We're not living all together clustered as a community. Mm -hmm. You know, so the image that all polygamists, you know, uh, are clustered in one little localized community, sacrificing their minds to uh, the decision-making of their process of the leader is just fallacious. It's only those anecdotes that of these particular criminals uh, where underage is going on. And yeah. certainly the issue of Bountiful is an FLDS issue. And so we're really, you know, uh, as, as we've gone completely distancing our movement from... Uh, from the FLDS, of course, that applies to uh, to Bountiful as well. Well, the the issue of consenting in old polygamy is distinctly different than the issue of uh, arranged marriage and underage marriage. Sorry, so I'm just because you're really distancing yourself from Bountiful, even though it could be it could be sort of a test case for a larger constitutional issue in Canada. Well, the problem is is that uh, the the political the politicals on both the left and the right refuse to let polygamy be separated from the crime, from the criminals. Right. And so they're connecting polygamy to issues that don't apply. They're connecting it to the underage and connecting it to the, uh, the arranged marriage and all that. And that's fallacious. And so what the example of Bountiful being used is not the face of normal polygamy. And so, should that fail, polygamy will be failing because it's being misrepresented by all these other false associations that don't really represent it. If we can have a pure discussion about polygamy without connections to uh, these FLDS-related issues, then that would be a whole different matter. And so, we're very uh, leery, as it were, to any consequences uh, connecting to this... Uh, FLDS issue. Connecting any in legal consequences, connecting arising from from the bountiful. Is well, because we don't believe that a fair debate about polygamy occurs when it's based on bountiful. Okay. Because it's being associated with bountiful's presuppositions, which we oppose. We oppose the idea of a, a single leader deciding uh, the lives, of, the situation of everybody's lives in the community. We're, you know, we're normal everyday citizens. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We, we, the idea that of, of sacrificing our minds to let somebody decide what, happen, what we do is just anathema. You know, we're, we're about considering adult choices, right? not the idea of, of coercion. So polygamy being represented by Bonifol is represents a, a, a problem for us. You know, it, it, it's not what polygamy is. So we're not fighting for what Bountiful, all the rights that Bountiful wants to have. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that's the problem. Okay. You know, we're just normal, consenting adults living in the cities and suburbs individually and very quietly often. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think that's great. I think that's um, all I had to, uh, I mean, if you had to, uh, you know, if you were, could you point me to somewhere that I might be able to find somebody um, in Canada who is a New Covenant Christian? Is there a place that might talk to me from the, the point of view of, of 
you know, just describing their family life and, and what it is like to sort of live, you know, in a polygamous situation in Canada right now? I'll be honest with you, the whole FLDS thing, and certainly the Bountiful thing, has us scared, has our families scared specifically. Um, and particularly because uh, we really don't get an equal, fair shake in the reporting of the news. Okay. For example, how many times, now granted, while we're succeeding, I mean, while our organization is succeeding in getting attention, at the same time, if you were to actually talk about balance for balance, how many times did you hear that the National Polygamy Movement opposes Warren Jeffs in every report about Warren Jeffs? Sure. You probably didn't hear that many times. No. But I bet almost every single time you heard the mainstream Mormon LDS excommunicates anybody who wants polygamy. For so the Mormons, are not Mormon. You know what I'm saying? You've probably heard that over and over and over. Right. Right, till you're sick in the face. You've heard that same clarification that the mainstream Utah Mormons uh, do not recognize the FLDS as Mormon. Right. That clarification is told over and over and over. But you didn't hear that the National Polygamy Rights Movement has also always opposed Warren Jeffs. And so because of that, that has our family scared, because what that's done is that's put out Warren Jeffs as if he's the face of polygamous leader this and polygamous leader, polygamous leader, and he's no such thing. He's a little leader of a little tiny rogue sect out in Utah. Mm-hmm. And so it's got our families uh, concerned about the lack of balance in the news in terms of about us. While we are succeeding in getting more and more inroads, there's still a lot of uh, media bias. And to think that, you know, you're going to get uh, get real, uh, honest, true news from CNN or Fox left or right is like saying you expect to get health food from Burger King and McDonald's. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> okay, great. And Mark, do you prefer, you just prefer to be called founder of Truth Bay? You can, no, no. At this point, now that I'm known, uh, I'm Mark Henkel. You've got my name. Yep. And it looks like you've spelled it correctly from... Uh, H-E-N-K-E-L. That's right. Okay. Um, and we are the truthbear.org organization. Okay. Please capitalize both the T and the B. Yep. And be sure to write .org. It's truthbear.org organization. Okay. And we are an organization. We're not a group. We're not a religion. We're not a denomination. We are a cross-denominational organization, national. Um, and I guess you could say international. To Canadians, for sure, that makes you international. Well, absolutely, absolutely. My, my point is that suddenly just because you've got a second country, it makes you international, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, we're, we're not trying to be grandiose, you know, um, but, uh, and certainly Canadians, and I know the whole, you know, uh, Americans, United States, and all that, I understand the whole Canadian uh, opposition to that reference, and I understand that. I appreciate that. Uh, is it fair to call you a pro-polygamy advocacy group? Uh, it is. Okay. Um, you know, the, uh, I, I'm, I'm known as the National Polygamy Advocate and founder of the TruthBearer.org organization. National uh, Polygamy Advocate. Okay. National Polygamy Advocate. Of course, uh, you mentioned the McLean's article, uh, yeah. and Steve McQueen basically added and called it international. And if you want to, that's fine. I don't care. Um, you know, but but I, in terms of the three words that's used repeatedly, Core TV and various, it's National Polygamy Advocate. Um, of course, now you want to apply it to Canada, so you could add the international. Okay. Uh, and that—that's that, uh, yeah, the founder of Truth Bear, don't right? Okay, so now I don't know if McLean's do this, but we um, at the, uh, we fact check, so I yes. will. 
probably somebody will get back to you, and they'll just, I guess, they'll go through the verification method to to verify whatever I've used in my subsequent article. That's fine. Okay. Uh, I, I can certainly do that. If you uh, need any other uh, links or anything like that, I'd be sure to be glad to help you as well. Uh, in fact, I can give you extra information if you need. Like, uh, are you familiar with pro-polygamy.com? Pro-dash? Pro-polygamy.com. Um... Is that, is that a different organization than yours? Well, it's, it is the, uh, the secular uh, media distribution site, so you'll see uh, op-eds, and that's where we've also put out some of our press releases okay. through there. So it, but it, it's pro-polygamy.com, but the pro has a dash between the pro and the polygamy. Okay, I no. think I've seen your op-ed then. This is where you had your press releases on the Warren Jeff situation. And, and it's it's a couple of them, yes, yes. We've also used PRweb.com. You may be familiar with them, too. Okay. Um, any other links? Or? Um... Uh, if you want to get the history of Christian polygamy itself, uh, would be christianpolygamy.info. Okay. Not .com, .info. Okay. Um, and, uh, and I guess what we call the standard is lovenotforce.com. You know, in terms Sorry, I'm just having a little bit of uh, feedback on my phone. What was the last one? lovenotforce.com. That's our site. lovenotforce.com. That's definitely our site. And basically what that we call that the standard of Christian polygamy, in that a husband would uh, love a wife and not force polygamy on her ever. Marriage is intimacy. It's about, you know, the, the, the psychological union, the emotional the spiritual, uh, you know, as well as the physical. It's because marriage is intimacy, you couldn't even begin to conceive of forcing polygamy uh, against the wife's wishes because that's just a break in intimacy. Therefore, it's not even going to be marriage. It's just going to fall apart, and it's ridiculous. So uh, we totally oppose forced polygamy. Okay. So okay, that, that's great. just extra feedback. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. I'm glad to be at home, and uh, when do you think this will be out? Well, this is, you know, it, <laughs> magazines have a long lead time, and yep. ours would be longer than McLean's because that's a weekly. Yep. Um, so this is, my due date is in November, and I'm likely to, um, it's not likely to see the pages until spring, sometime early spring. Early spring, okay. That's the hope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, super. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks, Al, you take care. Okay, bye-bye. Mark Henkel is National Polygamy Advocate, presenting polygamy to the public since 1994. NationalPolygamyAdvocate.com